Welcome back to One Winning Pod, where we're going to discuss the end of season proceedings, so to speak. So we'll discuss the unfortunate Ravens' loss, twenty-four to seventeen, in Cincinnati, and also the um, press conference that was held today and the information we gained from it uh, to kind of wrap up and put a, a bookend on the twenty twenty-two season. But uh, we'll start off first talking about the game, a very hard-fought game, a game that at least made me very proud of the team, and I'm curious to hear what uh, you know Chris and Peter felt about this game. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, overall, like, have having had um, a few days, I think, to reflect on this a little bit. Um, is it in the top five worst playoff losses or playoff exits that the Ravens have ever had? I don't think so. Um, you know, going into it, I definitely didn't have super high expectations that they would win it. Like I thought that there might be a chance, but to be honest, like if they won, that would have been great, but I didn't think that it would kind of lead to anything more than that. So, um, you know, going into it, kind of low expectations, kind of tapered down a little bit, but, um, like you said, Alec, yeah, they, uh, man, they just, what sucks is they played well enough to win the game and to give you some hope. And then they took it away. That was a little frustrating, but uh, but overall, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty good performance. And, and we'll go into some of the details later. But what do you think, Peter? I mean, I think I think you guys both summed it up great. Um, really proud of the guys uh, and the coaching staff too. Let's give them some credit too. I did not think the Ravens were going to win this game, so going into the game with measured expectations certainly helped me watch the game. Um, Going into game, you know, but it's it's funny, like you said, the hope. They they brought back the hope a little bit there. I went into it being like, okay, you know, I'm just going to watch this game. I'm going to view this as a celebration of everything that went right this year for the Ravens and just uh, relish in the fact that hopefully we'll make Cincinnati have to work for it and, you know, kind of beat them up a little bit and have them come and hobbled to their, their game next weekend, um, which arguably it's what the Ravens did. But, man, <laughs> when Huntley had that run uh, after the Ravens got the ball back, after uh, the defense shut down the Bengals' offense, game was tied. Man, I, I went, as he was running with the ball, I, 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 the, the hope, it came into me. I, I jumped up from the couch <laughs> and basically like caught myself in the action of doing it because I was just like, I was like willing him to the end zone. And then when I could see mm-hmm. that he was going to go out by the three, I was like, no, 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 don't. Stop this! Get this back. Let's <laughs> let's do some breathing exercises, guys. Even as I texted in the group, like going, like going three yards for that offense last year, and we can call it last year's offense now was like going fifty. It's just <laughs> so I yeah. I, I, I was just like man, if if Huntley, if he had switched hands with that ball, he might have been able to get it over across the pylon. He might have also fumbled it too. So who knows? But yeah, and I. I <laughs> I yeah I remember telling telling Alice you know she, she was like you know because obviously with the with the with the infant sleep is at a premium and she was like man like I want to go up to bed right now but like they might it looks like they might do it so I want to stay but I was like so literally that, we were talking about that as the Gus Edwards run happened so I was just like look if they get a field goal here I think Cincinnati will come back and score a touchdown if they score a touchdown they'll panic Cincinnati so let just just see what happens here and then you'll know whether or not you should stay up and immediately as I finish saying that is when the ball gets stripped and Hubbard starts running back so I'm just like yeah you should go to sleep just <laughs> it was just and I I can't think of many more 
frustrating plays in Ravens playoff history than that. I agree that as a whole, the loss of it in itself is not a top five frustrating exit because expectations were highly tempered for what this team could do. But just to lose it on a play like that, that was just completely botched. No one knows what Huntley was doing. I do believe Harbaugh that he wasn't supposed to jump over it. But again, like, you know, it's also kind of odd that that he did that in the first place. Like, shouldn't the coaching staff have told them they had known that he, I don't know. But yeah, we're all, it's, I've certainly was, was able to move on from it by Tuesday, but uh, after the game ended, I just turned the TV off and just kind of sat on the couch in darkness for 45 minutes, just trying to just reliving that play in my mind. It's just trying to, to contemplate what it was that we just saw that we had seen there. But the game was a beautiful microcosm of the season, in my opinion. They shot themselves in the foot, unfortunately. They lost a game they should have won. You watch the film, and there's a lot to be happy about. And it could have went the other way. It could have just as easily been a win, and we were like, oh, my God, they grinded it out. They did exactly – they played their game plan perfectly. They didn't let them score touchdowns easily. Everything was hard for the Bengals. We were able to get you know an opportune turnover. We were able to – actually be successful in the red zone which was really cool to see and we hit some big plays we took some risks on third and one like a, a whole bunch of things went so right that could be applauded uh but then at the end of the day they just weren't able to um execute and that one play i you know this is, i guess we're all let it in like i did end up going to the game i was there and we sat at the 35 yard line closer to where the the, the Ravens were trying to punch it in. So I saw that run down to the three yard line. I was watching him and we thought, you know, we thought we were all cheering. We thought maybe he could do it and, and get in, but you know, not quite. And then we see like the weird Ricard screen thing that didn't work. And, uh, and then the sneak. Um, and it's one of those things where it was so loud in that place that I was, we were watching the Hubbard thing, just being like, is there a flag? Are they going to blow a whistle? Like what's like was forward progress stop? It was like, and then there was nothing was coming out, you know. And then and then you just see, well, I've seen it the whole time, but you see Mark Andrews running his heart out, unbelievable effort. One of the coolest things, like honestly, I've ever seen live, because like it just it definitely seemed like a superhuman hero move by him to like run that fast and like chase down this guy. I mean, he was motoring; it was pure will. No one else on the field was trying as hard as he was. Uh, not even Hubbard, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it it was awesome to see that. And unfortunately, you know, he wasn't able to stop him, but he was right. He said in the pros game, like if I caught him, how our defense was playing, it could be three points. That That's a whole different game, you know, and it would have been for them because they could have kicked the field goal instead of having to do the, the weird things that they did near the end of the game. So anyways, uh, really unfortunate. And um, I guess I'll, I'll, g- I'll give a brief Cincinnati uh, review. Remarkably efficient airport. We got in and out so fast getting our rental car. Like, it was super duper fast. Ken was like blown away by it. Uh, he was like, This is the fastest thing. He's like, You need to be working in like hospital triage. You're so good at this. Like, I never got a rental <laughs> car so fast. <laughs> uh, and then from like an actual like stadium perspective, I thought the stadium was not great. Um, I think that Baltimore is very spoiled by our stadiums. Like, our stadiums are, are really top notch, both baseball and football it was really hard to find our seats. Like we, we didn't like go the wrong way, but you had to look closely for the signs. Like the signs were like the same size as like 
I don't know, tiny signs you would find somewhere. So you had to like get kind of close to them to see the numbers, to see like, oh, this is that section. So oh. like I had to get close enough to one to be able to read it and then like guess that it was like two every one, uh, <laughs> you know, two for every tunnel and then be like, I guess this is the one. And, and it was, but like they weren't like huge, like an M&T bank, they're like huge and you can just see them as you're walking by or at, you know, anywhere. Uh, Opacity, same deal. Huge. I mean, actually, any park I've ever been to has never been as difficult as this one. <laughs> it's like these really small signs. <laughs> um, and then when we got there, it was remarkably loud. And mind you, I like can't really remember what it was like in, in 2013 when uh, I was at M&T Bank in the lower bowl. I don't know if it was just where I was there or if they were pumping in noise, which I heard uh, Harbaugh thinks that they were. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was extremely loud there. Um, and we couldn't even really communicate that well. We were like yelling at one another to like talk right next to each other. So kind of wild. Uh, on the way in, this drunk punk wanted to fight me, uh, but everyone else was pretty good. <laughs> the uh, the kid's friend eventually slapped him, so I felt a little better about the whole situation <laughs> that like I wasn't in the wrong. Basically, he's just started trying to try pick a fight with us, like about two blocks away from the stadium, being like the Ravens fans. And he's like, "Why are you guys even bother coming to the jungle? You know, giving me crap." And I was like, "Eh, it's because your team's fragile. I think we can beat them." <laughs> Which, like, you know, he started it, so I felt like I could say that. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, you want to fight?" And I'm like, "No, I don't. I'm just selling you." Like, <laughs> and I gave him the whole like, you know, you might as well win this battle, but you're certainly not going to win the war. So don't get <laughs> don't get your hopes too high. Neither of these teams are winning the Super Bowl, and he didn't like that either. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not good at knowing my uh, boundaries. Eventually, I, I stopped because I was just like, "This kid's like, you know, unhinged." You can, say, you can say that same kind of thing to another guy who's like poking fun at you, and it would just be all fun and games. But that that kid was definitely had drank enough that he, because he had a beer like actively in his hand. I was like, "Yeah, he's not, yeah. <laughs> he's not taken to this very well." <laughs> All in all, though, uh, my, my number one thing is like I would go back because I think this is going to be a good rivalry for years to come, and I think a lot of really good games. And uh, and Cincinnati in itself is kind of nice. Like it's a, it's a compact city; you can walk it pretty nicely. Um, they're kind of allergic to making money. After the game, everyone wanted to go to bars, and like almost all of them were closed. And the ones that weren't closed were absolutely packed. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if there was like a better district, but like near where our hotel was, like it was out of control. So we ended up just giving up and, and going to the hotel bar and dealing with the, the crowd we knew rather than like keep searching for crowds further and further away. <laughs> so, yeah, but, uh, excuse me. I would definitely do it again. Uh, it's been, I haven't been to a playoff game in a really long time and that, and the atmosphere is just so like extra level of, uh, just the intensity of it all. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Nice. Well, how do we follow that? Um, well, at least it wasn't decided by a coin flip. Then the Bengals would have been even more ridiculous and iterate. Also, by the way, Mixon's still complaining about that. Still don't really understand why, but okay. Um, <laughs> but I'm with you, man. Um, yeah, it'd be pretty cool to go. Um, I, I told you before the game, I hope that your uh, uh, away playoff uh, record would be better than mine. I'm also 0-1. Uh, but going to Pittsburgh, not not to Cincinnati. So um, I'm fortunate to say you're right here with me at the bottom. Ah, uh, hate to say it, man. Well, hopefully the next time there's an away game, we can bring the power of all three of us or something, and uh, we can really knock it out of the park. That that is a force that no away team can handle. One of us not strong <laughs> enough. We need we need the Avengers. <laughs> bring in bring in the the three the, the three big guns. 
Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor all descending. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyways, yeah, but, you know, one thing I will say about this playoff game was, it's funny, it's just been so long since we've had a playoff game where we can be proud of what both the offense and the defense put out there. Because even though, you know, in 2020, they did win two playoff games, like, the offense was abysmal in those games, and certainly... We would have loved to see the offense be a little better in this game, but they should have scored three touchdowns. That that would have been more offensive touchdowns than the Ravens scored in all of two games like in 2020, right? I think they only scored two touchdowns across both those games. There might have been a second touchdown against Tennessee that is escaping my mind right now. But if we're talking about things to look forward to as far as, you know, what can the Ravens build on this? I do think it was... Um, very a silver lining from this game was like we were saying at the onset, the Ravens still have in their culture that they can go into the playoffs and on the road uh, and not be intimidated by the situation. Even in a case where you're down your, your best overall player and, and a couple other really key guys like, uh, like Rashad Bateman. Um, so that was something I think we take away as a positive, especially when we're going in. We'll talk later on in the pod about you know what the what this team's going to look like going forward. Or we got a few glimpses of that. I think today that I think was a, was a really encouraging takeaway for the immediate future. Yeah, I think so too, man. Like like you said, of like they for the most of the game, I think had poise. It wasn't too big for them. I think the only really struggle was um you know aside from the play basically was um trying to score at the end of the game i I think you know but given kind of some of the issues on offense and receiver depth and all that stuff like the the criticism of the 2019 offense of of not being able to play from behind that's totally valid for 2022 um i don't i don't i feel like there are very few games that i can think of this year that i was like oh yeah the offense is definitely going to score last when they have the ball last just you know not in their not in their dna not in their uh, dna this year but um but i tell you what you know yeah like you you know like you're kind of saying as far as encouraging things um there's, you know, a lot I think to like about the offense. Um, like you said, um, had the potential to score three touchdowns. I thought um, J.K. Dobbins, I think, was a difference maker this game. You know, Gus also to some extent, although I, I do think that maybe he was kind of trending a little bit down um, after the, uh, you know, concussion protocol. Um, just, you know, maybe didn't look exactly like himself. But uh, but Dobbins, I think. Um, you know, he obviously did uh, a great job on that uh, great individual effort on that first touchdown. Uh, it was just pretty fantastic. Um, you know, lean on him. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think he's a guy that you can, uh, you know, use to, to, to improve this red zone offense. And, um, you know, in addition to him too, man, like Mark Andrews, I thought, um, you know, they had the, the stat, I think, on the broadcast where they were like, you know, in the last couple of playoff games that the Ravens have had, he really hasn't had a big game. But I think this game truly, yeah, he was, you know, he was a safety blanket. Ravens found ways to get him open, and uh, he stepped up with some really big catches. And, uh, you know, I don't remember the the yardage count. I think it was over five receptions, maybe six or something. Um, but, yeah, he, he was a difference maker. He was helping to, to keep uh, plays alive and, uh, and move the chains. And, uh, you know, if you... 
if he would have somehow be able to get that Hail Mary at the end of the game, like, oh man, that would have been even more special. But, you know, I don't blame him that he didn't. Uh, it still definitely had a big impact. Yeah, five catches for 73 yards for for Mark, and he was just fighting on every play. And there were certainly some other cases where uh, he was open, and unfortunately Huntley didn't didn't see him. Uh, that could have gone for bigger gains too. But it was really great to see that. That arguably is the best playoff performance we've seen from Andrews uh, in his career, uh, which makes sense. He had a good year in 2020, but he obviously stepped his game up in a pretty big way in 2021, even though this year was down from a statistical standpoint compared to that. I feel like with the exception of a little, a few games in the middle of the season when after that Tampa Bay game when he had to go out for the shoulder injury, um, for the most part, looked basically like what he did last year. So it's good to see him show up and, and have a strong performance in the playoffs. Uh, and Dobbins is another interesting case. I agree. He had a great game. Uh, he, he did voice his frustration after the game that he felt the Ravens should have given him the ball more, uh, particularly at the goal line, which I can't fault him. That being said, I, I do think his overall usage was good, but the decision to not give him any goal line carries was an interesting one. And, and really, it feels like he hasn't been getting he didn't get any goal line carries down the stretch after his second surgery. I, I don't know if that was the Ravens were trying to, to be cautious with him or what, but that was an interesting one. Uh, not something I want to dwell too much on since, uh, as we'll get to later, there'll be some new minds uh, deciding who's playing and what formations going forward with the Ravens. But <laughs> that was an interesting one. And you kind of felt like, I'm not saying that would have been the difference, but Come on, why is, why is J.K. Dobbins not getting goal line work? <laughs> I mean, the guy willed himself into the end zone by the receiving uh, catch. And I I just think there was some weird non-usage of Dobbins, like the Mark Andrews run. I'm sorry, like J.K. Dobbins is, he has amazing vision. You know, Gus Edwards is the hammer. Mark Andrews is a great player, but like, what is this? Like, I, I just didn't understand why they put him in that situation. I don't think it was trickery. Right. There's a, there's a it, reason why Justin Tucker isn't running nine routes. You don't put your great <laughs> players in situations they won't be great at. That's an exaggeration, but you get that's, the point. That's, I mean, that's a great one, though. It's, it's almost <laughs> as egregious, honestly. Like, like for everything Gus Andrews, or <laughs> Gus Andrews, everything that Mark Andrews is, it's, he's not that. Like, he never has been that. Yeah, QB sneak's kind of straightforward. I, I can get that where you just run forward or a pitch play like that whatever that's fine but make him a running back it's like he's never done that before <laughs> you know it's just i thought it was it was pretty dumb but i will say like all the that was my big takeaway all of the skill position players balled out like josh oliver made a crazy catch sammy Watkins did something demarcus robinson showed his preseason form and just roasted eli apple and uh, scored a touchdown. There was a lot of really nice plays by the skill position players in this game. Yeah, definitely trending up. Um, want to talk about that Oliver play too, because um, I mean that was a, a, a wild you know, sequence. What could have been a really could have been a really bad play um, from Huntley ended up, you know, ended up being a fantastic play. Um, not only for him to be able to corral the football and and you know keep his eyes downfield to make the throw, but it was a heck of a catch by Josh Oliver too. I feel like that play in a nutshell too was like that was the one that also added hope. It you know because you you have a flashback to that you know 20 uh 2020 playoff game against the Bills where you know McCarry was snapping the ball wherever um <laughs> you know like 
even you know Lamar struggled with that and I think uh, you know that was one of the plays where he ended up getting hurt and you know you kind of look and see that with Huntley and you're like oh my goodness like this is going to happen again it's going to happen again but he was able to corral it and make that play and it was like wow okay all right maybe we got something here you know, I look at that play too, man. I know we've we've ragged on Huntley a little bit. At the end of the day, I do think it was a really good game from him. I think it was a gaff on the QB sneak. I, I, I wouldn't have done that in that situation. I think a lot of people have gone, kind of been talking about that to death. You know, moving forward, like, you know, I could still, I could see basically that he's got a little bit more to give. Um, and, and I think, you know, it would be interesting to kind of have him uh, back as the backup. Um, you know, I, you know, obviously, if I were the Ravens, I wouldn't, you know, rule out maybe bringing someone else in. But, um, you know, that is an encouraging sign, though, that he st- continues to to have room to grow. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, kind of goes back to what you said, Peter, of just like, you know, the the team had poise. Um, probably, you know, some of the most poise that they've had in in the last couple of weeks. I think they uh, they proved that this game wasn't too big for them. So, I think that is uh, has to have something. For sure, yeah. And, and I mean, Huntley's getting, got roasted. It's going to continue to get roasted for that gaffe. I mean, every player makes mistakes every game. It's just that that one was particularly awful. And it just wasn't the place to do that. And obviously, it had a huge swing on the game. But yeah, I don't think I'd go far as to say that I'd want Huntley back. Uh, I would love for actually the Ravens to find a new backup quarterback. I think Huntley's time here is, has come and gone. But that said, one thing you can never take away from the guy uh, is I think he is one of those guys who does go out there and give it his all. Um, he, like we said, he went there and he fought for this team. And, and I think that that's why the team loved the guy. It was quite clear that, that the guy was someone who the team liked. You you always saw whenever he made a big play, he got a bunch of congrats from guys on the team. And of course he'd love to see better play, but you know, he was a good team guy. Uh, He did everything that a backup quarterback is supposed to do. Ideally your backup quarterback is not asked to be in the situations that he was asked to be down the stretch. Uh, But that's just what has to happen. Unfortunately. Um, So, We'll see. I would imagine the Ravens would want to move on too uh, and just find some more consistency there. But hopefully we don't have to worry about a backup quarterback for a few years to come, preferably the, the rest of you know a good part of a decade because <laughs> Lamar will be re-signed and this bad luck of injuries he had the past two seasons will go away and he'll have an Ironman streak like Flacco. But, you know... That's asking a lot. Maybe we're asking a little. I don't know. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. But yeah, I guess what I really want to say is, is you know, whatever you think of Huntley's play, I do think the guy tried, and I do think that the team like really liked the guy, and they were rooting for him, even if they did drive him a little crazy. Um, Alec, I don't know if you've seen the in-game interview yet that Harbaugh had after the first I quarter. I did. You obviously weren't watching the broadcast yet. <laughs> But um, I, I actually saw it at the game because it was like popping up on Twitter enough. Oh, and okay. I, I was able to like like put my phone right next to my ear, kind of thing, and listen to it. And uh, yeah, I, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> and I I, I watched it again just like the video, but having nobody said and like just seeing his facial expression of like, let's just watch the gameplay. <laughs> I was like, oh, what a yeah. <laughs> you you could definitely again like we were talking about reading bin between the lines a couple weeks ago with Mark Andrews presser. You could definitely. 
you, you definitely got way more words out of that interview than just what Harbaugh said verbally. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was for certain. But but yeah, um, yeah, the whole team fought on offense and, and defense too. We got to talk about that. Roquan Smith obviously got the contract and. He did something that I really wanted to see him do, which was lead this defense in a, a strong performance against a top-tier offense in the NFL. He did that on the road in wildcard weekend. I mean, Smith had a great game, but he wasn't the only one. We were talking about how all the skill position players on offense had big games. There were a ton of players on, on the defense that had huge games too. So we'll get into that. But yeah, I think we have to start out with Roquan though because he's the the guy with the contract. The guy just got the the extension you know, is going to be locked up as a Raven for the next couple of seasons, assuming all goes well. And uh, he, he was a, a force on during that game. Unfortunately, I didn't think it was the true like terminate row that I was hoping for of like, I, I think he got some of those best, uh, you know, hits, not just like hits, but you know what I mean? Like the best, like uh, intimidation done in, in week one of this matchup. Uh, but he definitely, you know, played a strong game. And I, I thought that uh, the defense in general was just so strong. The one thing I also wanted to point out, I, I was looking at our bold predictions, guys. We got a little greedy. So, like, I hit mine with the two touchdowns. But, Peter, like, you said 50 yards. It was 41. And, like, he oh, could have yep. easily gotten 50. It just there wasn't enough field. That, that's, like, the hard part when you do those, like, long play ones is, like, you know, it matters how much field there was. <laughs> it could have been 70 yards if it happened earlier. Yeah, you know, I still give myself credit for pulling that. I put, made that one up on the spot. And immediately when I said it, I was just like, you know what? That play is going to be there if they want to take it. Like, there's no way Cincinnati's going to to guard that. So, like, it, it's going to be there if, if they want it. And sure enough, it was. Um, but... And then Chris's yeah. man, the, like, Huntley lead, then, like, they'll fail in the end. I was like, oh... We didn't ever got the lead, but well, I mean, we were leading at uh, not in the fourth quarter at least, but we were leading at, at halftime, which was like so surreal. When we were leading at halftime, that's when the hope really hit me. That's when I was like, "We can do this. <laughs> we're already ahead at a major like inflection point in the game." <laughs> so that's 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 the hope. That's how it kills you. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. Funny, I totally forgotten about that bull prediction until you guys reminded me. And like, why did you call for that? Because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Anyway, we should we should definitely move on to the defense a little bit. Um, Roquan had a good game. I didn't think it was um, you know super out, you know super outstanding. It wasn't like you know a sixteen tackle performance or whatever it was. Uh, you know the week prior. Yeah, I mean, I think like Justin said, I think the the Bengals attacked the defense a little bit differently. I think they had a little bit more success on some of the underneath stuff, uh, particularly third down. I think uh, Marlon Humphrey actually talked about that in his uh, end of season. Uh, interview um basically you know he said he didn't have his best game i think he let up some stuff underneath um you know for them especially early on i i think overall i think it was a it was a pretty solid performance i mean you take away the the fumble return for a touchdown like the week before i think the ravens defense played overall pretty well you know obviously you know i think the the big play we kind of have to talk about um alex guy kyle, kyle hamilton um that fumble on Hurst early in the game, I, I mean, that was a huge momentum shift. Uh, allowed the Ravens to be able to get up ahead. And, uh, you know, without that, I think the, the game looks a whole heck of a lot different. For sure, man. We see how important those turnovers are when it's so close to the, um, you know, red zone. That makes a big, big swing. And uh, it was cool. You could see it. I, I don't know if you could see it in the 
broadcast view, but you could definitely see in the all 22 on that play. And it, it happened like the play happened immediately in front of where we were at the 35 yard line. But OA has like his water bottle and he's spreading it around like he's at the club and it's just like spraying everywhere. <laughs> it was like kind of cool to watch that. He was, they were partying on the sideline <laughs> when that happened. That's great. <laughs> Well, I mean, Owe himself, he's another guy who who stepped up and, and had some plays here. Uh, granted, for, for that sack on Burrow, all he had to do was was just wave his left arm and that gust of mighty wind that he had just <laughs> swept him Burrow off his up. Feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. But, and, yeah, man, his speed was on display as well. There was, um, it was one of the final Cincinnati drives. Might have been the drive before uh, the Ravens had their final crack at at trying to tie the game up. Yeah. It was, yeah. Burrow had that sneak, and, you know, Owe, he he was on the opposite side of the field, and he tracked him down, and there were some other defenders there. Burrow might not have made it, but I think it would have been close. Owe definitely stopped him far enough that there was no no question that he wasn't getting the first there. Uh, huge effort play from him there. Hopefully a sign of things to come. Uh, you know, we don't know what's happening with Houston and Pierre Paul, if they'll be coming back. Uh, so... Hopefully we can get Owe there, and and he can be a force with Ojabo and Bowser. So uh, good to see him step up there and and have some big plays. Yeah, his performance was really wild. Um, just like I, I mean, I'm even looking at the last couple of weeks. Like usually, you kind of see a progression up. I feel like Owe's was just like where was where was Adafi Owe the whole season? <laughs> just came out of nowhere. Just decided, oh hey, the season started. We're in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's like playoffs. It's the playoffs. It's football time. (laughs) I mean, I don't hate that. Like you know, you always want to save your best performance for the playoffs. But um, but yeah, no, it was it was it was great. Um, and it you know, I think one one thing um that I feel like I saw a lot out of this game, but I think it kind of has been leading up to is that um, Mike McDonald's been playing a little bit more of him. Um, kind of on the inside, right? Now that we have a luxury of outside linebackers, um, kind of goes back to some of the race car packages of old, right? Of of having all these outside linebackers on the field. And, you know, I think OA had a little bit of success there. I don't have the stats in front of me, but, you know, he was pretty um, pretty effective, I think, on the inside. But um, the sack that you're mentioning, Peter, I think um, that was him just up against the left tackle, uh, Jonah yep. Williams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he was having a good bit of good bit of success on on the inside and out and uh yeah it was probably one of the you know top three performances that i can think of on the defense he played really really well now i mean i do think we need to point out that the bengals offensive line was incredibly beat up and jonah williams i'm pretty sure they said on the broadcast had given up uh, something like 12 sacks all season but still i don't care he still did it in the playoffs on the road (laughs) You know, he didn't choose he was going up against. I still think that can be something that he can build on. And again, you know, we, we've we said it before. Ravens have had plenty of instances of pass rushes as of late. Uh, Pernell McPhee's, Darius Smith, Paul Kruger, uh, Tyus Bowser, who incredibly inconsistent. Uh, just the stretches of, of games you forgot they were even on the team during their first two, three seasons and then turned out to be studs in this league. So... Hopefully, Owe can put it together and, and take that career trajectory because there's there's certainly athleticism there that can be unlocked. Yeah, I thought it was really cool to see him in those rush nickel looks on the inside. Definitely want to see if that's more of a uh, a thing they do in the future. But it was funny because before the game even started, when we were at dinner, we were talking about 
the kind of players on the team that in 2023 will be the biggest wild cards, the ones that could really make the biggest step. Um, and we all agree that OA was one of those guys that like he has plenty of potential still. He just needs to be able to show it on a consistent basis. And I thought that play where he chased down Burrow, like you were describing, Peter, was a really interesting one because for so many times I heard, you know, about his his speed and how fast he was at the combine. And you don't see it on the field. But in that play, when you watch it, it's like, oh, He's fast. <laughs> like that's his speed. I, yeah. I don't know if it was because it was playoff ball and he gave it his all or what, but like he hit a whole different gear on that play that was so cool to see. And that's the kind of athleticism that we need to see. I honestly felt like he was almost going through mud sometimes when I was watching him. He's just like he never got up to that speed and like sometimes like people would outchase him and you're like, "Come on, man." Like you're faster than them. Why aren't you catching them or at least gaining ground? Like, why are you going stride for stride? And I'm hoping this is a, a sign of things to come. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe he just was, a, uh, you know, worn down because he was playing so many snaps early in the season. I don't know, but he definitely seemed to have an extra gear in that game. And we need that from him next year and could be a huge win. And, it, and honestly, if his frame and his skill set does allow for him to do these rush nickel looks and be effective, I think that's a great way to get him on the field next to, you know, it, be it Houston or uh, Ojabo, like whoever the, you know, pass rush um, outside linebacker will be on those plays. Like, that's, a, that's a cool tandem. So very excited for OA. I hope he has a big year three. But I guess, like, I mean, we talked about this defense as a whole. They only allow 4.3 yards per play, an astonishing, like, 52 yards rushing all game. Burrow only passed for 209. I mean, you see, if you told me that before the game, I think we win this game. It's very surprising that we held them to such low yardage totals and didn't win. Well, like we said, <laughs> it all came down to that one play. It literally was that one play. It's just like, it, what it. it Again, it's going and basically what happened was the Ravens, they were in a very even chess match with the Bengals. They got up by one piece. They like they took one of the they took Cincinnati's knight and then didn't realize that they left their queen in, you know, completely unprotected and lost that way. That's really what it what it was. And it just once that that touchdown happened, like as as much as the offense overperformed, there was just no way I think that anyone on that sideline was going to be able to, to find a way to get everyone to have the collective mentality of like, okay, guys, I know we've struggled to move the ball all this season, but we're really <laughs> going to go all the way back down the field again and, and, and score a touch. I, I they almost tough. They almost did, man. That's they a, had a shot. Part. They had a shot. And I mean, that clock management was certainly, it was certainly something at the end there. <laughs> I, I, it's kind of all I want to really say on that because again, I'm not over dissecting things that shouldn't be, you know, an issue next year. Hopefully, but <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 but that goes back to what we're saying. Like the players played, they fought the whole game. Sure did. I guess like one last parting thought is that I think this this game was a look behind the current almost of what the 2023 defense will try to achieve. Like this, they, what they did in this game was exactly the kind of game plan I think or their overall strategy will be, we'll give you yards, but it, we're going to make it really difficult for you to actually score. And um, yeah, I mean, we saw like that. That's the thing that's crazy is that really like those 260 some yards that the Bengals had only one of those drives was like a big drive, maybe two. 
where they actually like strung together a bunch of plays and scored off of them. All the rest was like short fields from the interception or, um, or the turnover where they weren't even on the field. So I think that's the big, the big thing is you might be able to put together a couple first down conversions, but you're not going to be able to score. You're going to have to punt. And I I think that's kind of cool. Like basically you're like between the thirties. Fair enough. Once you get there, good luck. <laughs> so I like I like that strategy, and I think it's a good way to slow down the game and and give the opportunity to the offense to be able to rebuttal with their long drives and and keep the game interesting. So it's a good formula against these faster teams just to slow them down that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one other player I guess we can probably talk about a little bit um, who uh, you know kind of made his presence a little bit known. Uh, Marcus Peters. I think this is his first game back uh since the calf injury i recall or was was he, was he back yeah was yeah because he, he didn't game? play he didn't play he didn't play the last, last week right yeah so yeah i mean overall i thought he played pretty well um obviously yeah <laughs> you you, you kind of either really love it or you really don't like it when you know sometimes he gets in he was getting into the face of some of the bengals players uh mixon and a couple other of them i think i think there, there's a personal foul in there somewhere or, or something um which you know wasn't great kept the drive alive but you know yeah you live with it i guess you know i thought he played okay i think um you know he had some good uh good defense i think to was it that one uh pass i think to um i think it was higgins i think in the end zone uh was able to kind of push him out and uh you know prevent him from getting that catch um Overall, you know, I think his return definitely helped. Um, also knowing that Brandon Stevens and Pepe Williams were both out, you know, putting him alongside Humphrey. Um, I thought Humphrey had um, a decent game overall. Um, I think was was picked on a little bit underneath, um, which is why Chase had so many targets. I think he had 12 targets, nine receptions, I believe. Uh, but like you said, like it was, you know, from the, from the defensive formula, it was like they were letting them have all that underneath stuff, just – you know, preventing him from really, uh, you know, being a yards after catch monster or, you know, to catch any, anything over the top. They, they prevented all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I thought overall, um, you know, Peters played, um, you know, pretty well in that and, and kind of helped. Do we want to do, uh, I don't know if we want to do moral victories. It's kind of a weird part when you're going to go into the next segment with the press conference. How do you feel? Nah, we, we, we never do moral victories uh, after the final, the final oh, yeah. loss of the season. That's fair. Although, to be honest, this whole episode has been a moral victory awards uh, ceremony. It has been. And actually, you know what? Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll say this now. Our next episode, we're going to prepare it. It's going to be like, little, I don't know what the right word is for it, but we're basically going to write little like blurbs about each player and like, like a nice little like what they contributed or like a fond memory from the season from them. And uh, just kind of like remember this team, because I think that's one of the most depressing parts about football is that this group of men will never play together again. Uh, there will be people that leave a free agency that we don't want to see leave people that would be fine with them leaving, you know, but, uh, and then new players brought in and it's just never the same group of men. So a special team this year, a team that fought hard, a lot, a lot of really cool, good players, some nice stories. And we want to make sure to like remember all that. So we'll, we'll be playing, putting that episode out next week. But, uh, next up is the press conference. So, um, 90 minutes before the Greg Roman, uh, people released a statement saying like his agency i didn't even know if greg roman had an agency <laughs> really released a statement saying that he was going to go pursue other things and then a couple minutes later the ravens have a, a quote from john harbaugh about you know wishing the best of luck he was he did historical things for us i thought it was very classy the way that they uh 
are doing this exit. And uh, yeah, so like Raven's Twitter kind of erupted as expected and the inevitable happened. The cockroach is dead, so to speak. And, and Greg Roman won't be here next year. I don't know what people are going to complain about anymore. It's crazy. It just, it <laughs> opens up so <laughs> many, it opens oh, yeah, up so yeah. many like, yeah. you know, tweets and YouTube comments. Like, you know, you don't have to say fire Greg Roman anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to say fire John Harbaugh. I'll be honest. Like that's what they're going to move on to. Yeah. Maybe you're right. going to go up the well, chain. Well, then right. whatever the fallout is with Lamar, because if the Ravens don't yeah. retain him, obviously that's going to be, uh, just absolute nightmare. But then whenever, when he does get his deal with the Ravens, which I still expect he will, then it's going to be uh, all about his contract. We know that. That's how it was with Flacco. That's how it's going to be <laughs> with Lamar. Flacco and Lamar both have had their <laughs> own unique strengths and weaknesses, but uh, it, it does appear that the the period where the entire fan base was united in that Lamar can do no wrong uh, is, is starting to wane. And I'm sure oh, a big contract won't won't help that um fair or not you know that's just the way the business is and people are allowed to to feel how they want to feel about money but yeah let's go back to talking about happier things um and (laughs) and 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 now i'm gonna immediately walk that back a little bit because i don't want to talk about someone you know moving on from a position uh yeah as as a happy thing but but i mean here is the thing like there's at least it's it's great i think it's great uh for both parties uh, just like Wink, uh, you know, last year, it was quite clear that as much as he'd done well for the defense, his his scheme there wasn't working with the new type of players that they were bringing in and what they wanted to do. And he has he's had a great uh, success his first year as defensive coordinator for the Giants. They did great in limiting Justin Jefferson in the playoffs this week, and now they've got a big divisional matchup with the Eagles, which should be a fun game to watch this weekend. And Greg Roman, he's had enough success in the league and in, and in college that he's I'd be shocked if he doesn't get a really good job somewhere after this. And it probably is best at this point for his career, for him to get a fresh start and to try his approach with a new set of guys and a new organization. And the Ravens, it's it's time for them to finally move on to a passing to a offensive coordinator who can elevate this passing attack, elevate Lamar's game. Going back to my analogy a couple weeks ago, I, I do feel like in, and I'm not the only one that the Ravens are kind of keeping the 10 year old on the tricycle with Lamar and, and not uh, allowing the offensive scheme to grow enough. It, it did grow some, the passing attack did grow some, but we were always wanting more. I think Lamar wanted more. I think that the players wanted more. Uh, and hopefully we'll see who the Ravens are able to get, but hopefully this is the first step in getting a complimentary passing offense to pair with what should already be, uh, and it's still an excellent rushing offense, regardless of who's there, given uh, the personnel that'll be in place and the Ravens' philosophy with with drafting linemen. I wish I wrote down the exact words Harbaugh used, and maybe one of you guys can help me because I think we all watched it. But he said something to during the the conversation about offensive coordinators that kind of hit me well, and it's not personnel, but it was like, and it wasn't scheme, but it was uh, philosophy philosophy exactly that was the thing yeah you. i think it was <laughs> it was philosophy when he said that it, it dinged in my head because i think the biggest thing is we want to get away from giro's like i don't know if it's even a philosophy but just he just seems to like try to galaxy brain three-dimensional chess a little too much and he doesn't like want to just be who he is and i i think that's what kills us the most as ravens fans like 
you have this amazing run game and like it's third and one maybe you just use the running back you know <laughs> like why are you going to this like crazy trick play like or like the chicanery they did with with Prochet and they called that play and it was just like that's not who you are like you can you don't like I'm not against trick plays but just some of these some of the timings were bad and just decision making that he sometimes did and and when he when he tried to do certain things, I think is what I'm almost most excited about. Cause I think he had, like you said, we had the cookbook. We just aren't like executing the recipes. Right. I think that's the big, the big change for me. I think Giro can succeed in other places. I don't think he's actually like horrendous, but I do definitely think it's good that we're moving on. And I'm curious, I don't think they're going to hire with from within. I know they're entertaining those people and they're interviewing them, but I, I, I think they would have moved to him this season if they truly thought they were the right person for the job, I think that they're going to hire externally. And I think it's going to be a good idea. And I'm excited to see all the, and, and they said too, like, you know, I think everyone's going to want this job and they're going to learn a lot of different cool ideas during these interview processes. So like, Oh, that's an interesting idea. That's an interesting idea. And I think even just the interview process in and of itself will be valuable to the team. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think uh, everybody was saying there's like 10 other teams, I think they have offensive coordinator openings. So going to be a lot of movement for sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, like we said, man, like just throughout the season, I don't know. My, my, my whole like initial thing with Roman is just like a lot of, I feel like he's had a, he's unfortunately had a history of doing exactly what we kind of said. And to the point that it's like almost everything could be explained like, oh, well, it's just Roman. This, this is how he always does. And like, it's always going to be an issue. And I like, a lot of the time, I think it's just a lot of it was overblown and just it was an easy excuse <laughs> to be the just like, oh, well, Roman sucks. Fire Greg Roman. But <laughs> it was just all that said, it was just time. It was just time. We need something. We need this offense to evolve. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's going to be exciting. I think there are a good bit of players on this offense that can still be and will still be building blocks for whatever you know the the 2.0 ravens offense looks like um mark andrews jk dobbins uh, a couple of the linemen lamar they're gonna bateman you know they're still gonna be here um you know we're talking to the press conference i do think it's interesting I, I feel like eric and uh and john were both a little um upfront in that the receiver room is probably gonna look a lot different uh, which is really interesting to me um you know obviously you know, the, the free agents that we kind of brought in, I, you know, personally, I don't think any of them are really like probably worthy to, to keep around. I mean, sure. You know, maybe we might extend somebody, you know, even as like a, you know, somebody to be in the locker room. But um, I thought they were pretty upfront about it of, of that definitely needs to be a focus of improvement for, for next year. Um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll see how that happens. And with <laughs> Lamar's situation that complicates the formula, I think Eric was pretty upfront about that too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they weren't holding back. I, I thought that was probably one of the more interesting things there that, uh, they definitely realized that they need to get better there. That was, it was really refreshing to hear that. I don't think that I've, that we've heard the Ravens address the need to boost the wide receiver room, uh, anywhere to close to that degree uh, of frankness and honesty since, uh, since the end of the 2017 season. Um, now we'll see what that ends up being in actuality and, and what, what those words actually mean to the Ravens. Um, but you know, again, last time they said that I can't remember the exact words. I can't remember if it was, um, Ozzie or, or Harbaugh or, or even Bashadi who said it, but, 
um, there was something to the effect that they needed players to get, who could catch the ball and make plays. Uh, and we know 2017 was was also a year with an abysmal uh, rece- receiving room. You had the inconsistent hands of Mike Wallace and pretty much no one else in that group. Um, so, with the, I mean, going back to that year, what the Ravens did in the offseason, remember, they picked up uh, and had kind of the, the hodgepodge receiver group of Crabtree, uh, Sneed, and Smoke. And we know how that ended. Um, but, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see what the Ravens are actually able to do with that. But it at least gives the fan base some hope that, like, okay, we're on the same page that something needs to be done. What is it that we – does the – the front office and the coaching staff believe that what needs to be done is to the same degree as what the Ravens fan base as a whole, you know, obviously every fan has their own opinion, but I do think that there's kind of a a coalition of what you could say the majority of fans want to see happen. Um, We'll have to see if it's that drastic, but at least to acknowledge that in a press conference where the Ravens really didn't uh, as they usually don't reveal terribly many concrete details That was encouraging, and I I think that we can at least expect that there will be some new guys on the team next season. I did a show with Ken McCusick, and I kind of commented the same thing. Like, I'm surprised they just came out and said we're going to, you know, address this wide receiver room in the way that they did because it seems like they're going to make sweeping changes at, I think, both phases, free agency and the draft. And I think it was kind of interesting too, because like if free agency doesn't work out, you've already admitted that you want to do this, so you're gonna to have to hit in the draft, which kind of like ruins your leverage a bit. But I think the whole NFL knows is what he said, so it's like not a, it's not that surprising. As far as people coming back, I think Demarcus Robinson as a fourth or fifth wide receiver is acceptable. It just can't be our number one. <laughs> and oh, definitely not. Yeah, I agree. And it never was supposed to be, right? It never, it never was supposed. Oh, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was a number three, which we're also saying is a little too high. But it, it never was supposed to be. So I think uh, – actually, I guess he was almost number two because people were like, is he better than Duvernay? And Duvernay had his ups and downs at the beginning of the year. Um, I definitely think it's interesting. It goes kind of hand-in-hand with getting Giro out of here. The offense might look different enough that paying wide receivers makes sense because that was the whole conceit is like, well, if we're going to run as much as we are and we're so effective running it – we're not going to get the touches and the targets necessary for these wide receivers to really be worth the, the price you have to pay for them. And part of me thinks that it might be true regardless, just because of the threat Lamar presents as a runner and like how good we are at running the ball and how dynamic we could be. But uh, I think it's one of those things we need to invest in so that on third and seven, we're not like, uh Oh, <laughs> cause I think that's the biggest thing that's holding back our offense right now is you get one off schedule play and then you have third and seven. You're saying, "Uh oh, I don't know what I, I don't know if we have enough playmakers to make this happen." Go, you know, first read, second read, have an injury. You know, you're now you're really in a bad spot. So that's uh, and then they even said that in the press conference, like we want to be able to attack third and longs better than we were able to do before. And that's I think the missing piece of the offense right now, or the missing weapon on the offense is how do we defeat third and seven? Right now, we don't have a consistent answer. It was encouraging news to hear Bateman's going to be running at full speed again soon. So hopefully he'll have a full off season. Uh, Duvernay stuff is still under wraps. So we don't know what, how bad his injury is and when he'll be available to run again. Yeah. That was another really encouraging piece from the press conference. That's a little more concrete. Um, Cause you know, I, I 
there's certainly the worry in Ravens fans' minds after Bateman went down of like, how long is he going to be out? Is this going to be the same thing we saw with Dobbins and and Gus, where they weren't ready till halfway through the season? And you know, again, we'll see what the Ravens wide receiver room is on day one, but you certainly want Bateman back uh, for many reasons. So great to hear that he's going to be able to run, and hopefully his body responds well to that, and he's ready to go uh, by training camp at the latest, and can and can finally have a, a, a true breakout season, um, be a consistent part of this offense. So that was encouraging to hear. I do think what you're bringing up with Duvernay, though, in, in both, you know, we still don't have uh, much in moves on his injury, as as well as um, the, the tweet you shared in our chat the other day about the uh, performance incentive that he got from, from the Pro Bowl, right? Um, mm-hmm. as, as interesting to see, you know, obviously to have Duvernay in this offense as, as a change of place pace guy, if you have, you know, two or three receivers who are, are more traditional in the sense could be, it could still be a great weapon. I think, you know, it just, we, we just started having to ask too much of him down the, the stretch as injuries mounted. But, uh, the performance incentive will be something interesting to watch for because, from what I remember, the number it started to look like a little more than what you would want to pay for what he he does bring to the team. I think it was like four point nine, eight, four point nine million or something. Yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly as a as a returner, um, definitely provides value um, to that number. Mm, yeah, not sure. Um, you know, but it is hard. You know, uh, you know the Ravens are going to have to ask. You know, who whoever they bring in it at offensive coordinator. Um, are they going to be able to use Duvernay in, and get him more involved in the offense? Because um, he's, you know, he's been one of those players who has a very, you know, uh, good skill set, but it is very niche. And you know, he's one of those players that, you know, a Greg Roman offensive coordinator really probably was not the best coordinator to be able to take advantage of those skills, right? Everybody wanted him to be a, a Debo light. I, I don't think he ever got there, <laughs> even in the first couple of weeks of the season when he was getting tons of touchdowns. Like, I don't know if we were, you know, if that was, was going to live uh, long-term, but, but yeah, I mean, he could be a piece. I, I feel like the Ravens probably want to figure out who the coordinator is going to be though, before they make a decision on him. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, you know, having a, a key special teams guy like um you know like him i think it, it is valuable um especially i think even um if i recall justice hill he's not a lock for next season right he would be a free agent so we wouldn't even have him either so if we didn't bring back duvernay they we'd have to be looking at the the draft or free agency to bring in somebody to fill that spot if i recall yeah i think that we'll probably end up keeping duvernay at the cost because I think he's worth about that in the open market. And if we're already going to like go to the open market for other players, I was, what was it? 4.5 million. I think it is. I don't know. 4.5 what wide receiver, million, right. Yeah. I don't know what wide receiver you get for 4.5 million. It's going to play better than him, honestly. And then provide the, the return capabilities and stuff. Cause I mean, think about it. I, I, I don't know. I'm, feel free to, to say, I, I disagree, but I feel like to get any receiver worth talking about, you're usually paying at least 8 million, you know? So I guess, I guess what you're saying is like, I'd rather pay the extra five to get the $10 million guy than have 4 million on him. Oh, I'm, I wasn't actually saying anything either way. I was just saying that was, that was an added variable to to watch to just to see, especially if like, you know, the Ravens get pretty tight on cap. 
um, I don't even know what the yeah. really. I'm saying I haven't looked at all the ins and outs of it, but yeah, sure. It's just a new another variable to add into the off season that I mean I wasn't aware that he was he was up for uh, that that what he had done with the Pro Bowls would have unlocked yep. that in his contract. But um, so that was that was an, an, I thought that was interesting when you shared that uh, message sure. in in the chat. For sure. Yeah, definitely interesting. I thought another interesting point of the, the conversation was a lot of the comments made about Lamar Jackson negotiations. Uh, the team did everything right in order to keep his value up. You know, they talked about him extremely glowingly as far as a, a component of this team going forward. Although I will say the omission of how they talked about there's two personas. There's the player and the person and then the agent of Lamar and they gave all these glowing accolades to the player and the person and, and just left the agent part dangling. And I thought that that was, uh, a <laughs> the absence of, uh, of glowing variables is what I think they're like, man, <laughs> that side of Lamar is a real stickler, <laughs> real challenging. So, uh, definitely though, I think they kept this value high and I, I left the conference more confident than I had been going in, even though I was pretty confident that they're going to try to hit a long-term deal. Or they're just gaslighting us mm-hmm. to the ultimate extent, and they're going to trade him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the I think a big concern for me was I think a couple of days before I think um, somebody had asked uh, Jeff C about it, and he he had said something to like fifty percent would be the highest percentage that I could see him staying. And I think when I when I saw that, I was like, whoa, okay, uh, that's new information that I maybe did not have. But yeah, with the with the press conference, definitely agree with you, Alec. Like, seems like they're not happy with the agent side of Lamar. But like, but that being said, I you know like it's, I I thought it was interesting that kind of DeCosta brought up of like, look, uh, you know we've done a lot of contracts. Um, all of them are different, right? Some of them take a couple days. He he said like Mark Andrews contract like a couple days. Roquan's contract a couple days over the course of like a month or so. Um, but it really like, you know, didn't take that long. But then he was like, Ronnie Stanley took a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Lamar's like probably longer. Um, so like, you know, you know, uh, you know, I'm, he didn't say this, but like, you know, does the suffer take that long? Yeah, probably does. But like, it's not also not like out of the realm of possibility. This isn't, you know, something that is unique to this situation. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of gone through this before. So I, I thought that was a little encouraging. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the other thing he kind of talked about too, is like, you know, we see Lamar on this team. Um, but that being said, like it does pre- present some challenges, right? Um, having to pay a quarterback at this stage, like your roster construction is going to look a lot different. So yeah, we're talking about like, you know, players to keep or, you know, where are we going to put our money and, you know, how are we going to fill out the receiver room? Like, I think it'll be a little bit better than maybe what we did this year, which is sort of like pay vet men to guys last minute because that's who's available. It'll be a little bit different than that. (laughs) But that being said, like, you know, there's only so many millions to go around. And, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is that there might be some hard decisions to make to be able to free up more cap. So, you know, I kind of talk about it in a little bit, but I I feel like maybe a couple players already right now are kind of like, yeah, it's probably going to happen. Yep. Yeah. I, agree with you guys I, I think that the conference made you feel a little better based on a lot of wild stuff has been coming out 
while Lamar was hurt. And then after the season, it just felt like even more was out. And it, it's hard to, to weed through what's real and what's fake news. I mean, some of it is just so bad crazy that you're just like, <laughs> that's pretty easy to, to weed out. But, and I, I'm still a bit haunted from last year. And I know this is a completely different situation, but you know, when, when, Hollywood Brown was doing all that stuff on Twitter, on following the Ravens, scrubbing his Instagram. I was just like, I, I put zero weight into it. I was just like, I just, I, I didn't think it meant anything. And then of course we find out behind the scenes, oh man, he would ask for a trade. And it was not a surprise at all that we traded him for first <laughs> to Arizona during the draft. And look, it's completely different situations. And of course, you know, there were obviously some rumblings that came out of, out of his, from his, him, at times during 2020 and 2021. Um, so it wasn't a, a 100% shock, but it was still pretty, you know, unexpected. I, I, I think Lamar will be here. I don't see why he wouldn't based on what I know, but <laughs> what do I know? I'll, I'll be happy when it's done. I'll, I can say that my I've I've been confident this whole time that he's going to sign that he was going into the season just trying to see you know what's the most I can get out of it this which let's be honest it's America regardless of what your political affiliation is everyone's trying to get the most money that they can let's be real um, <laughs> so he's being like anyone else would in that situation but yeah I, I will admit every day that we <laughs> that it hasn't happened yet my confidence does die a little bit. <laughs> Sure. No, I mean, and that's reasonable. I think it's also interesting how he was, he was like, I'm really happy our negotiations have remained private except for the part the NFLPA leaked, which uh, was a fun dig. He wasn't even like remotely shying away from it. That's a, a whole other topic, but I really kind of hate what the NFLPA is doing right now with this contract. I, I, I think every, I think the consensus of players should be upset. Like it's crazy to me that quarterbacks make almost double what the next highest paid player on any team is makes when they're a good quarterback, at least, you know? And I'm just like, these poor offensive linemen, these poor, you know, off ball linebackers, like <laughs> these poor running backs, they got no money, <laughs> you know, like all the money's going to these quarterbacks. And like, I get, I get why it's happening, but for the NFLPA to basically be like, yeah, we want like the select, 10 players in the league to make that much more than everyone else. I don't know who that's benefiting except for 10 players. You know, <laughs> it's not, it's not benefiting the players association. <laughs> well, then also you factor in the fact that, that the quarterbacks, you know, are the players who by far and away are going to have the longest careers outside of kickers. It's like, it, it, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's interesting. And, and sports contracts in and of itself and where they've gone, you know, even just in the past decade is, is a huge topic that we could probably put in a whole other podcast on. But um, yeah, I guess I'll just say that that okay. I'm of the same mind of what you're saying. <laughs> I think we should talk about some of the players we think are going to get let go or are definitely uh, on the edge. Really glowing things were said about Ben Powers. They said he was one of the best players um, on the team this year as far as like most improved and uh, didn't come right out and say that we're not going to have him next year, but they said, I think he's going to get a lot of interest around the league, and I think him and his family are going to do really well, and we wish him the best of luck wherever it takes some kind of thing, and almost for sure, just given the constraints that we have and the players we've already committed to and the players we want to commit to, I don't see Powers finding his way back in Baltimore, which is unfortunate because like, 
he definitely is going to leave a hole on the left-hand side. Yeah, it's funny how many uh, off-seasons coming in there, they're like, well, you know, who do, why, do, why don't we try so-and-so at left guard? He might be an upgrade over Powers. Let's try this. <laughs> year after... Dude, year after year, man, it just continued to so own with it and get better and better. So, um, <laughs> despite all of our best efforts to try and find somebody better uh, for the role, um, yeah, I mean, th- I feel like this year in particular, you know, you, I can't really point to anything about his game where I was like, oh yeah, that was you know a liability here or like you know an issue here. Um, overall, extremely solid. Um, yeah, definitely deserving of, of whatever contract he's going to get. But, you know, another guy as well, you know, I, I I feel like, you know, I feel like the writing's a little bit on the wall. Kind of was last year. Um, but Chuck Clark, um, I think somebody had asked about uh, Chuck Clark. And, and the first thing is basically just like, look, Chuck's a great player, uh, consummate professional, just like awesome dude, you know, really solid, dependable. But, you know, nothing in there that make you think that like, oh, yeah, he's definitely saying like, I mean, we all know we drafted Kyle Hamilton, like, you know, and yeah. Chuck already kind of knew that last year going into it. He was not happy about it. Obviously he talked about that in his end of uh, season presser as well. And I hate to say it, man, but yeah, that's another position of just like, well, you know, I can save a couple million bucks here and, and maybe go out and buy, you know, another player that we need on this team. And we've got a guy waiting in the wings. It just, it seems really obvious, I think. And which sucks, you know? Uh, Chuck's another one of those guys. I mean, Peter, I feel like you need to, you know, say your piece here. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, Chuck Clark's my guy, man. He's been he's been one of my favorite players on this defense since he he really came along in in 2019. Um, just a savvy player who could you know, the Ravens could line him up in so many places, and you know, didn't make many of of the highlight plays that will make like Sports Center stuff. But like, if you really enjoy watching watching film, Chuck Clark makes a, a, a lot of, of great plays uh, he had a really good season this year as well maybe not quite as good as some of his previous ones but uh he, he certainly was a professional this year and played his role great um but i i think his time here has has come i think it would be smart for again for both parties give give chuck a chance to go to a team where he can be be the guy on in you know as the inline safety just um he's still got plenty of years left in his career Ravens get some draft capital back there. And, you know, another thing that really helped, it makes it, unfortunately, a no-brainer for the Ravens to move on is uh, Geno Stone continues to develop. Um, Hamilton, I'm a little bit worried. He did get hurt a couple times this year. Nothing that was ever, you know, going to keep him out for multiple weeks. But there are multiple games where we saw him on the field. uh, And he'll he'll put on muscle. and, And he's a strong guy. But I think that lean build... Uh, does offer you know some unfortunate opportunities like get a stinger or or a twisted ankle at times uh, in football. Yeah, I mean Geno Stone has really come along and and he's in, improved his game every year. Uh, so if anything were ever to happen to happen to Hamilton, you've got a guy who can provide still really good strong safety play at that position. So. Yeah, the, the Ravens are crowded at that position, and you've got some holes in other places. You got to figure out cornerback depth. Uh, you know, Pepe and Armor Davis showed some flashes. They certainly, and but they're unknowns. So you, I don't think you can one hundred percent count on them. You're going to need to bring in a cornerback, whether that's re-signing Kyle Fuller or, or something else. 
if you're not able to re-sign Powers, which we think they're not going to be able to, you've got Ben Cleveland, but then what do you do when Zeitler retires? Uh, we talk about the wide receiver room. So unfortunately, as any team in the NFL does, you have holes. And when you have a glut at one position, you got to trade to balance your team. So hopefully Chuck can go to a team where he can shine and continue to have a great career. Because uh, I think he's someone who's who's earned that in this league, worked his way up as a six round pick, and just really, really made his way in the NFL. So, uh, hopefully, the best happens for both parties in that situation. For sure, they definitely alluded to the fact that they had about three free agents at the corner position that they could consider bringing back. I guess um, Peters too, so make it four. But you had Fuller, Worley, and Seymour, all players that contributed at different levels this year and could be brought back. I thought Worley showed enough in that last couple games there. I was like, maybe he'll be asked to come back. Um, you know, probably a vet mid deal, so it's just not nothing too crazy and a, a known commodity. Um, and then as far as Justin Houston, JPP, and, and Campbell go, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if Calais wants to return. In my opinion, if I had to choose, I want Calais to come back of the three just because he offers something unique and also is still playing at a high level. Whereas Houston, as as excellent as he is, I can see how Owe and Ojaba can take those snaps and and produce something. Like we have a clear replacement. Whereas what Campbell does is so unique, there's not quite the clear the clear replacement. So I definitely uh, kind of feel that way. And, and JPP with the run stopping, I think Owe is really good at that too. So it's not the end of the world. Um, obviously, you don't want to over provision these guys. You need to find more players that can eat up some snaps. But um, I guess what I'm just thinking about, like, uniqueness. And also, you can't beat Yes Sir. You know, you can't beat the voice. So, <laughs> And I just want I, I want him so desperately to get a ring. And I feel like his best chance is with us. Unless, I, I don't know. I don't see him going to another contender. I think he's, he'll either stay here or quit. <laughs> yeah, certainly it would be sad to see Campbell or Peters go. Um, I think that uh, there is a great chance Peters doesn't come back. Uh, like we've said, someone will we'll probably still take a chance on him, but maybe he comes back on a cheap contract. We'll see. Uh, but I, I do think the defensive line, I agree with you. Yeah. What Campbell does, he's a unique player. He's one of the best at what he does, uh, in NFL history. I mean, the guy, he's just a freak, but, um, it, you do feel good to have Justin Matabike in the wings as well as, uh, Travis Jones, um, had a really promising rookie year and, uh, project Washington had a solid year too. Um, Brent Urban might be back for another season. I forget what his contract situation is. But, yeah, I mean, the defensive line, I think the good thing is we at least have immediate replacements that can make that unit work. Maybe they can't do exactly what Campbell was able to do, but still the the um, foundations of that unit are still there. Um, oh, and, and Michael Pierce, yeah, he was maybe he'll come back and, and actually see the field. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's always it's always frustrating to see players go. Clark, Peters, Campbell. Um, we'll see if any of them come back or if they're all on to, to new things now. But yeah, I definitely agree with the sentiment. I think one last thing to bring up. I mean, maybe maybe you guys have something too. But that was interesting. I got the vibe from Dacosta. He's cool with just having five picks in this draft. I've heard. I, I've gotten fully into my draft prep. I've heard that this draft might not be as deep as last year's, so you're you're dealing with less player pool. But also, he brought up the fact that our inability to keep players on the team. We saw Beatty get drafted, languish on the practice squad, eventually like cancel his contract so he could pursue other options. 
uh, which is, I'd never seen before. That was new to me. <laughs> I guess maybe Tyson did something similar, but Tyson wasn't a draft pick, so it didn't matter as much. Definitely weird to see that. We had the defensive tackle, uh, C- was it Sealer? Um, that Sealer, yeah. Yeah, that had left. a big play in the play- uh, playoffs uh, this past mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, like he he got he let God slipped away because we didn't have enough room and things like that. So I think Tacosta's realized that like I'm a little too good at this. And uh, <laughs> while like he won't, uh not take more capital like he'll, def- he'll gladly take more capital um maybe this is not the year to have too many picks yeah i mean he uh it, i mean it's it, 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 it it's fine i think it's i think it's fine um you know especially i think you know i think that i i think there's certainly like a you know section of the fan base it's like you know why do i need to why do i need to stockpile picks just spend a little bit more money in free agency right just go buy a wide receiver, which, you know, is just totally fair, you know, so having, you know, five picks isn't so bad. Um, DaCosta brought up too, he's like, look, you know, Ozzy had a draft years ago where we had four draft picks and we hit all of them, um, all very solid players. So, yeah, I mean, the big thing is just to make sure you hit with whatever you take. Um, I feel like one of the top, you know, two picks has to be a receiver. Um, I think cornerback is definitely something that you probably consider as well. Um, I'm sure you know a couple other position groups as long as it's not a fullback uh, <laughs> I feel like it's the only thing we actually didn't mention is that Ben Mason's back on like a reserve futures deal I think he was one of the the yeah. players kind of targeted for that uh, there's a bunch of them though so we, yeah, yeah, yeah there, there were, did you know there we were, had a Bo the, Pete on the roster <laughs> I did not know, oh my gosh did not know that um, but yeah as long as we don't spend one of the five on another fullback uh, I think we'll be okay <laughs> Or a yeah. tight end. I guess they have too many tight ends at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. When 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 uh, Harbaugh said that he thought the tight end room was going to stay intact, I was like, man, do you realize how crowded that room is? Does that? In- <laughs> I mean, obviously Andrew's likely Collard, but are we including Oliver and Boyle are going to stay too? That is. That, that's that's. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> but, we'll see what the yeah, offensive coordinator wants to do with all that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't have any coaches coming from coming from. Uh, make tight ends and fullbacks matter again uh incorporated <laughs> anymore but um yeah i mean you, you look at the past four drafts Ravens have had eight picks in 2019 10 in 2020 eight in 2021 11 last year including i mean a fourth round where it sounds like well we picked more players than we'll pick all uh, of 2023 if things stay <laughs> how it is um yeah i think the ravens have taken plenty of shots on players in the past four years if if this draft is light I think that's 100% fine. Yeah, and it's just about them hitting these players. I'm looking at it now. You know, we got the 22nd overall yep. pick in the first round. Then we don't have another pick until 86 in the third yep. round. Yeah, so so the draft Chris was talking about was, yeah, 99 draft. First round, Ravens drafted Chris McAllister, obviously Good. a hit. Yeah. Fourth round, they drafted Brandon Stokely and Edwin Mulatalo. And then uh, seventh round, they took, a, they took a flyer on Anthony Poindexter, who was a... a well-touted pro, uh, prospect, but had um, the doctors basically said this guy shouldn't be playing football. Uh, was a good good special teams player on the Super Bowl run, but yep. um, then injuries derailed his career. So good idea, uh, but <laughs> yeah. bad gamble. Um, so yeah, I mean, if if they can do that formula for this draft, you know, quality over quantity. Let's go. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I. I'm looking at this chasm and it just, it's hard for me to think that the Ravens are going to be like, yeah, we're picking at 22 and not again until 86 
feels like a lot of players got off the board that they don't want to let pass by. I feel like they'd rather trade back and it might still be for the best. But I think if someone falls to 22 that they had in the top, you know, 14, 15 on their board, I think they might snipe and do it and be like, you know what? Forget it. We're not trading back. Because we also saw the same thing two years ago when they sat at 31. We're like, that pick's getting traded. There's no way they're going to pick. And then they were like, oh, way. We'll see you later. Like, <laughs> it's going to be a while until we pick again, but that's okay. Um, we'll see. But definitely not much. Uh, and this could change. They definitely could get more draft picks if they, if they trade somebody or um, not even like Lamar. I, I still think. Patrick Queen's an interesting guy that might get traded this year. But uh I also don't think they need they need to make that move. We'll just we'll just see how they play it out. But a lot of flexibility going into this year. Uh from a cap perspective where they can tag Lamar and also from a, a player perspective, they have a lot of options I think they can make as far as who to keep and who to let go, just given the fact that they have um, a lot of good players and a lot of the core of the team is really solid. So it's just how they want to build around that. Well, that wraps up this episode. Like we said, our next episode will be a, a nice kind of conversation about all the players that contributed to this year's team. Definitely excited to start writing up all these little vignettes and uh, present them to you guys. It'll be a fun episode, new idea. We've never done this before, but I think it might become a new staple. So make sure to follow us at one winning pod. Maybe by the time, uh, <laughs> our next episode comes out everyone will leave twitter i know i'm barely using it anymore when they killed third party apps i was like all right well i don't know i know that uh uk ravens is on mastodon so who knows maybe we can make a mass exodus and uh, <laughs> move ravens twitter over to some uh some other instance but uh yeah for now we're still on twitter at one winning pod you can email us that's not going anywhere one winning pod at gmail.com and you can follow us on our youtube channel at one winning pod We'll see you next week and uh, all throughout the offseason with more Ravens content. You were about to say go Ravens, weren't you? I did. (laughs) How'd you know?